You're listening to the Father's House Podcast. We're in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hope you guys enjoy. If you guys want more information, you can go to thefathershouseky.com. church government. We're basically talking about the organizational structure of how churches should function, how, how they should, um, who, who should be over, who should make the decisions, where does the authority lie? And we talked about last week, the authority ultimately lies with Christ as the head of the church. Amen? We all can agree we want Jesus to be the leader of the church. And so today we're going to talk about what we're going to call relational. Somebody say relational. We're going to say apostolic. Say apostolic. Now let me stop there. Let me tell you what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about apostolic like some of you might understand. I'm not talking about Pentecost like some of you might understand. I'm talking about apostolic as in there were apostles in the, Old, in the New Testament, Right? There was the apostles, and what were the apostles doing? They were planting churches, and then they were appointing leaders over those churches, and then they were telling those leaders to appoint elders. So when we stay apostolic around here, we don't mean long hair and skirts in Jesus' name, and I'm not trying to badmouth anybody. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about an apostolic. The word apostle itself actually simply means a sent one. So a sending one, right? So Paul was sent and planted, and then he would commission and send others and plant them. So we're talking about an apostolic, a covering, if you will. So a relational apostolic oversight or some type of thing outside of our church that's oversight and a covering for our house. I mean, you know, I believe that's important. It's, it's, a, it's important for me, right? It's important for all of us. So we would see this with the Apostle Paul. He would plant churches, and he would place Timothy or Titus in, the, in these areas of these churches. But ultimately, Paul was the apostle to those churches. He was the oversight. And you see this all the time when um, the churches would have problems. They would reach out to Paul, right? When we have the books in the Bible, we'll get into, um, let me not get ahead of myself. Here we go. So this relational oversight we see with Paul and Timothy, amen? In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, Timothy would say something that I love. He would say to Timothy, my son, somebody say my son. There's this idea in the kingdom of God that has really been missed for a long time, and it's the idea of spiritual father and spiritual sons. Not just oversight to things but an actual relational, a father and son. There has to be, he would say, Timothy, my son, I'm a father to you. And they had this relationship and this covering for Timothy that was a really healthy, good thing, amen? So here's a reason to have, so we are part of the Assemblies of God. I have my credentials, I have my schooling through the Assemblies of God, and they are my covering over the pastor and ultimately over the church. So reasons to have something like that, number one would be for connection, this is good. It's good to connect us with other churches and other like-minded churches and other ministers uh, for connection for, uh, for me, for the pastor, for mentorship and different things. It's good to have someone to, to look to also for uh, consultation, to go to people, to ask them about how to do staff, how to do uh, our budgets and finances. How many of you know it's good to ask people for help? 
Not to ask him for vision. We have vision, but we could do you some help for maybe some structures or strategies. Amen? We're not trying to reinvent things. One, that I'm, one thing that I would like to think I'm very good at is asking someone for help. I mean, I, I wish I could tell you how many people I have talked to on the phone over the last five years of my life. Hey, man, I don't, I don't know what to do about this. What would you do about this? I don't know what's going on. How have you guys handled this? How have you handled this problem? And it's been really refreshing to have someone, to, to our church and our pastors and leaders can reach out for consultation and for, for kids ministry, for worship ministry, for coaching and things like that. It's good to have some mentoring, amen? So the Bible says in Proverbs 19, verse 20, I love this scripture. Let's read this, look at this. Get all, let me, see, let me speak this to everyone. This isn't just for our church leadership. This is for everyone in this room. Get all the advice and instruction you can. Let's stop right there. Some of us were so scared to ask anyone's opinion on anything we need to do in our life. Where the Bible would say, actually, get all the advice and instruction you can. Right? I know it's quiet in here. So you will be wise the rest of your life. How many of you want to be wise the rest of your life? Did you know that you can be wise in your own eyes and not actually be wise? And let me give you the secret to protecting yourself from being wise in your own eyes. You get all the advice and instruction you can. Next verse. Look at this. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. So not only does the Bible say, take, get advice and get instruction, it actually would go on to say, get many counselors in your life, right? It's still quiet in here, because this is the reality. Somehow in the church today, it's like we've just made it all about Sunday, and we missed it, actually what the Bible even says. And the Bible's telling you, hey, to all the people who don't ever listen to anyone and don't ever get counsel and advice from anyone, you're stuck on an island by yourself, the Bible's actually telling you that you're, you're setting yourself up to be deceived and not grow. But if you can get around many counselors, I'm glad that I have many counselors, many mentors, many areas that we reach out to, not just one person, but many people that we can talk to for advice, for counsel, and for mentorship. And so should you guys, not just your pastor, but then the small group leaders. We need people in our lives that can give us counsel. Let me tell you the first step in actually receiving counsel, humility. You know the opposite of humility? You know the Bible actually says that God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. The reason why some of you are not growing in a lot of areas in your life, because you have no grace to grow in those areas because there's no humility. Let me say that again. The reason why you're not growing in your life in so many areas is because you will not ask for advice. You won't take counsel. You won't take instruction from anyone. So there's no grace to actually get past it. Thank you. But that's the reality. You gotta be willing to lower yourself and ask for help instead of just being wise in your own eyes. I wanna, I wanna this is actually a promise here. If you have many counselors, the plans will succeed. It actually is a promise as well that you will be wise the rest of your life if you do these things. So not just you guys, but as a church, pastors and leadership, we need to have some people that we look to outside of our church. How many of you know that the church, the kingdom of God is a lot bigger than Owensboro, Kentucky? 
that the church is actually all around the world and actually there's more Christians in China than there is in America, right? And so the reality, we get, we get stuck in our American Christianity box and we start to think that Jesus was white and he was from Kentucky. <laughs> and we forget Jesus was Arab and he's from the Middle East, Right? And his people are still there in Jerusalem waiting for him to return, some of them still not knowing that he's there. That we gotta get outside of Owensboro, Kentucky and be a part of something that's bigger and greater. And the only way we can do that is to have mentorship and counseling connections with the people outside of Owensboro, amen? Amen, these are good things, amen? Amen, so another reason to have some type of uh, covering for us is in the midst of crisis. So let's say there's, we have a problem in the future with me and our elders are, are struggling to do something, we, can, we have someone we can reach out to. Like right now, like uh, Pastor Chris Donald has been a, a friend and a mentor to me. He knows me. And I would think if there was crisis that would come, our elders could reach out to him and say, hey, this is what's going on. We need help. And let me give this in the Bible for you. This is all throughout the New Testament. The book of Corinthians. How many of you know that the book of Corinthians... Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, Philippians, those are all cities in the New Age, the New Testament world where there was churches there and Paul was writing specific. Somebody say specific, not Pacific. He was, y'all were like, specific letters to people for specific reasons. He was writing them. They were uh, writing him and asking, if you see in Corinthians where he gives some correction about some guy who's sleeping with his mother-in-law, Lord help us, this is the adult service, by the way. And Paul's saying, hey, get this guy out of the church. This guy, he's turn him over to his flesh. And Paul's giving them counsel in the midst of crisis because they're having crisis. And they're saying, we need some help here. We need some connection. We need some consulting and things. And you see that all throughout the New Testament where they would have issues. Like, okay, we got crisis. We need some people that can help us who are above and beyond and think maybe bigger than we think, amen? And also who know the pastor, who know me well, and can speak into these things. See, these are good things to have. Um, so secondly, so let's get into what are the role of elders. This is gonna be probably my favorite part of the service. We're gonna get into who these men are going into our church, and, and our deacons will still continue to be deacons. So let's get into what is actually the role of an elder. Is it just to be on a board that you make money decisions is that really the role of an elder? Is that all that it is? That you're on the board and you make money decisions and you make sure the pastor doesn't steal money? Is that actually it? The answer is no. The elders, I'm not getting into everything, but I'm gonna get into a lot of things that elders do, okay? So if you're taking notes, I'm, the first thing that elders do is they rule. Everybody say rule. That is, they direct the affairs of the local church. First Timothy 5.17 says, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. It says elders who direct the affairs of the church. This is one of the roles of an elder, to so direct the affairs of the church. That is a part of it, and that's why the elders will be on the board because the Bible says they rule and direct the affairs, and that actually is what the board is for. Amen? Number two, elders oversee the local church. This is very important. Acts 20, 17, and 28. It says, uh, and Paul sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church, verse 28, take heed Therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you, keyword, overseers. Somebody say overseer. Overseer. 
So the elders which are among you, I exhort with, so I'm also an elder in 1 Peter 5, 1 and 2. It says, feed the flock which God is among you by taking oversight thereof. One of the, the most important role of an elder in this church is to oversee. What does that mean? Have you ever had a supervisor per se at a job? Their job is to, to look at the church in, in every way and oversee the health of the church, not just the pastor's. How's the health of our worship team? How's the health of their kids' ministry? How's the health of our people? It's their job to oversee these areas of the church, not just to do money things, guys. It's so much more than that. Proverbs 27 and 23, it it says, be sure you know the condition of the church. It is an elder's job to know the condition, the spiritual condition of the house. Amen? That's a good thing, right? Next, this is one of my favorite parts, to be honest with you. Elders share the burden. Share the burden of the primary church leader. We see this in Numbers chapter 11, verse 16 through 17. It says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather unto me 70 men of the elders of Israel, and I will take of the Spirit which is upon thee, and I will put it upon them, and they shall bear the burden of the people with you. It's not meant, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I tell this to Maddie all the time. I say, sometimes I... I don't realize how overwhelmed I am by all the responsibilities of the church until I actually stop and actually think about it. I don't know about anybody in here, if you're a type A personality, if you're just a doer, you're a worker, let me give you some advice. Slow down and look in your heart. Because <laughs> you might just be actually extremely unhealthy, but you just keep going and going and going. And sometimes I define myself and I'll tell Maddie, I say, you know what? If, if I didn't care about this church and actually what I'm doing, then this wouldn't be hard. There wouldn't be a heavy burden to carry if all I wanted to do was make money and preach sermons on Sunday. This would be easy. Because I can speak, I can talk, God's gifted me to do that. But since I actually do care when I get the call and I know that your family's falling apart and I know that your son's on drugs and I know this marriage is going left, since I actually do care, there is a heavy weight. And I need elders to help hold that weight in prayer and in fasting and holding it with us and ministering to the people. It's a beautiful thing. That weight and that burden. So they share in that burden. So this was a great help and comfort to Moses. God called and anointed elders to bear the burden of the people with him. Because it's not saying that just the problems of the church, but just the weight of the the stuff that, I mean, there's so many people represent in this room, and the reality is there's so many real life hard issues represented in this room. Literally, there's people who are struggling right now. There's people who are really struggling right now. And we carry you in our hearts and in our prayers, and not just superficially, you know? So it's a good thing. Share the burden. Um, Another thing, a good elder will also take heed to himself and his own walk with God. Acts 20, 28, take heed therefore unto yourself. What does that mean? That means that elders, they have to watch the way that they live. They have to take a, 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 in a sense, they're gonna take a, uh, an understanding and a reflection of their own life. They have to lead the way in this example and, and literally look and say, okay, how am I living this thing out? I have to be a good example. The Bible would say elders to be a good example. 1 Peter 5, 1 and 3, it says, to the elders among you I appeal being examples 
to the flock. This is not just some random position to get on the board to change things and, and, and do money issues. This is to be a good example of what it means to be a born-again believer to the congregation. Amen? In every area. It is a heavy thing, and it should be a heavy thing. Amen? All right, so we want them to be good examples. Hebrews 13, seven says this, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. There should be people we look to to follow their faith in every way, amen? So how many of you know everybody needs good examples? We all need good role models, amen? So another thing that they will do, which is really important, probably one of the most important things, is that good elders will be watchful, say watchful, not just to watch over the pastor and make sure he doesn't screw things up, but to watch over the congregation and to watch over the enemy trying to come into our congregation. How many of you know that's a thing? Watchful for problems. Acts 29, 20, verse 29 through 31, it says, For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, watch. He's saying, listen, pay attention and watch over. John Bevere said something really interesting. He said, you notice the Bible says there's a sheep, or excuse me, a wolf in sheep's clothes, not a wolf in shepherd's clothes. I don't know about you guys, but throughout my Christian life so far, I've seen a lot more sheep in, or excuse me, wolves in sheep's clothes and not in shepherd's clothes. Eyes quiet in here again. That was John Bevere. Get offended at him. Because that's the reality that wolves would come in and try to disrupt the churches and disrupt the, everything that's gone to sow discord. That's why the Bible says one of the things that he hates is when people sow discord among the brethren. You know what that means? It means gossiping about the church and the leaders and everything else and stuff you don't like and starting a little coup and telling everybody. Actually, the Bible says God hates that. And elders are there actually to keep watch over the church, watch over stuff like that, and to make sure that things are going healthy, that there's nobody. You guys, I'm gonna tell you, I couldn't tell you how many people have come into this church on Sunday morning, sometimes kind of out of their mind, walked all the way up to this pulpit and wanted to say something on the microphone. Well, I got a word. Well, I'm Pentecostal. That's what we do. Well, if that's what you mean by that, that's not what we are. All right? And that's the reality. We, we don't need random things and people operating in an orphan spirit trying to make themselves significant. We need God to have control of the pulpit. Amen? And we need elders to keep watch for nonsense. Because at this church, let's just be real, we are a charismatic church. We're going to go after the things of God. We're going to go after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray for the sick. We love to worship. We love to be expressive. And just to be honest, it kind of invites kind of craziness sometimes. And it kind of can invite some weirdos maybe. And maybe I can be a weirdo sometimes. That's fine. But the reality is the other option is like what a lot of churches do. We'll just, we'll just turn the Holy Spirit off. That way we don't have to monitor anything because that's a lot easier. I'm going to tell you right now, it is a lot easier if we just say, nope, we're not doing anything like that. Nope, we're not having the worship. If it gets a little deep, we're going to cut it off. You know, we're not, don't, don't, don't ever pray in your prayer language because that might get weird. No, no, no. I won't do that. I, I love what Stan Holder would say a, a few years ago. I remember this quote. He said, I don't care if there's a few phonies in the crowd as long as somebody's touching Jesus. Because that's the reality. We cannot control 
people being weird, trying to be seen. But if someone is trying to take over and be crazy, that's why we also have elders to keep watch over the church. Amen? Amen. Also, they'll help not just watch over problems, but watch over souls and the condition of the church. These are good things. Also, elders are a safeguard to sound doctrine. How many of you know that we need sound doctrine? That if I start preaching something heretical, you should leave. Or I'll be removed, actually. If I start preaching something against the scripture, there should be some people who have authority to take that back. Amen? Because once again, we want God to be the leader of the church. So if someone gets up here and preaches against doctrine, they need to be able to have and protect that as well. So elders watch over the pulpit. They watch over whoever is preaching to see, you know, whether we're preaching God's word, that we're preaching what God is saying. Amen? Those are good things. You see this in Acts chapter 15, verse one and two and verse six. It says, some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. How many of you know that's nonsense? This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem and see the apostles and elders about the question. The apostles and elders met to consider these questions. It's the role of an apostle, role of elders, is to consider these questions about doctrine. What do we believe? I'll tell you one thing that I'm going to have to preach on soon is what we believe about women in ministry. You know, I have people, some people get upset because we have women uh, speak or preach at this church. And so I'm probably just going to have to, I'm, actually, no, I'm just going to have to preach and teach on it here soon. But we need to be able to have sound doctrine. What do we do with these scriptures that look like they oppose women in ministry? What do we do with the scripture that says this? What do we do with this? How many of you know that being charismatic doesn't mean that we don't know the Bible? A lot of people assume about the charismatic church we just don't know the scripture. Like, we, come on now. No, we've got to know the word of God. We've got to get rooted in the Bible. This is why you need to do the New Believer's Handbook. This is why you need to get the Purple Book and not just come to service to enjoy the worship time. Get in the word of God because the word of God is what's going to sustain you Monday through Saturday. And otherwise, you're going to be waiting. You're going to be calling me saying, we need a Wednesday night service. No, you probably just need to get in the word and spend time with the Lord and go to small group. <laughs> Amen. So they protect the house from sound doctrine. How many of you know that's wise? We need our pulpit protected from what is being preached out of this place. So another thing they do, they also practically, they pray and visit with the sick. The Bible says in James, the elders would come and anoint you with oil and pray for the sick. Amen? How many of you know you can all do that as well? But it is a role of an elder. Another thing, they guide the financial direction of the church. Acts eleven twenty nine through 30, it says, Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief, which was money, unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Silas. So we understand that the money was given to the elders, and they were over the finances. It's not a deacon thing. That it's an elder thing, because the elders direct the affairs of the church. Amen? Elders exercise also hospitality. They be hospitable people, willing to open up their homes, willing to let people in their homes. Not weird about being hospitable to people, but having them over to their houses for dinners and things like that. Um, honestly, it's probably one of me and Maddie's favorite things to do, is we love to cook, especially Mexican food. Come on, somebody. Glory to God. 
I just want to say right now, I'm so thankful for the Langford family. They also love Mexican food. God brought them to this church. Not, they don't know it, but really it's just so I could have Mexican food. I'm just kidding. <laughs> we can laugh a little bit. How many of you know at the Forest House and in any house, you, need to, you can laugh, actually. You can smile. It's okay. God's actually okay with it. Some people are like, no, he's not. Yes, he is. So, also, an elder must work hard. Somebody say work hard. So all those things I just told you are actually weighty, real things. It's not a passive thing to work on their own spiritual walk with the Lord. Uh, so over the, I'll, I'll get into, well, here we go. Let's just move on a little further. So what's the role of a deacon? So in a general sense, I know this might surprise a lot of you, but every Christian is called in a general sense to be a deacon. I know you probably never heard that before. Do you know the word in the New Testament in Greek for deacon? It's called diakonos, which simply means, you ready? Servant. It's all it means. Just like we get misunderstanding about the word Pentecost. We think Pentecost means some random thing from one of our sisters or brothers or whatever it is. Actually, Pentecost simply just means 50th day. That's all Pentecost means. 50th day. The word deacon just means servant. Right? Diakonos, look it up right now, D-I-A-K-O-N-O-S, if you'd like to. It means servant. So Paul, when he's expressing uh, what, the, what a deacon should be, he leaves out two major things. He leaves out being able to teach, and also he leaves out the part of, of managing their household compared to managing the house of the Lord. So it's clear that the deacon's job was not to manage the house of the Lord. The deacon's job was to serve under the elders and serve the house of the Lord in practical ways and serve the mission of the house as a servant to the church. Why? So the pastors and elders could devote themselves to prayer and fasting and studying the word in these matters of ruling and governing decisions. So let me say this as well. Are one of these positions greater than the other? No. If you remember in the Bible, in the charismatic world, for some reason, we act like people are like, oh, this weird thing coming out. I'm an apostle. I'm a prophet. Prophet Mike. Apostle Michael, and we, we think that the, actually there's some type of pyramid in the kingdom, and apostles on the top, and that's like the biggest, most significant thing you could be in the kingdom of God. And actually, the Bible would say that the foundation is built upon apostles and prophets. So actually, they're at the bottom, and they're being walked on. Paul would actually go on to say that the apostles are the end of the parade. We're ridiculed. We're beaten. We're the nobodies of the church and people are like oh I want to get to that we get a misunderstanding of what's important in the kingdom of God do you remember when Jesus was about to leave they said hey who's going to sit at your right hand when you're gone in, in the kingdom who's going to be in a sense who's going to be exalted who's going to be your right hand man and Jesus would go on to tell them that listen the least among you would be the greatest so he would say actually the greatest thing in the kingdom is to be the greatest servant it's not actually to ever get a microphone or to ever be an evangelist. It's actually just to be a servant. It's actually just to lay down your life and give your life away for Jesus. One of my favorite songs I was singing during the fast was that song, uh, I Give Myself Away. Y'all know that song? So You Could Use Me. Man, I love that song. It's a beautiful song. In whatever way he wants to, amen? So we see those two separations there where Paul would leave out being able to preach and also managing God's house they're there to serve. 
So finally, the title overseer in 1 Timothy 3.2 implies general oversight of the spiritual well-being of the congregation, where the title deacon applies one who says service-oriented ministry. People who serve the church and serve the church well. And, and, and there's plenty of us that are God is calling men and women to step into those roles of deacon at our church, of being servant leader roles in this house. Um, not oversight roles and managing roles. Those roles belong to elders. All right, now once again, um, so, uh-oh. So at the church, our deacons will continue to be deacons. And here in just a moment, I'm gonna tell you guys who our elders will be. So the last, oh Lord, me and the board, we started reading a book called Blessed Church by Robert Morris, probably a year and a half ago, I don't even remember. I don't know, Robert was here, Jim's here. We started reading a book about how the church should be set up, how the government of the church should be run. And just read that book. If you'd like to read it, it's an awesome book. And I started praying, God, you know, who uh, needs to be these overseers of our church when we make a shift. And God started to, he put three men on my heart uh, in our church. Uh, that I, later on, I think in October, I went to them, met with them, and said, hey, this is what I believe the Lord is doing. Would you guys pray into this if this is something you think you'd want to walk into? And we start to pray, and I met with them, and those three men, uh, I, I've been excited for this for a while now. And those three, I hope you're in here. <laughs> Actually, I don't have my glasses on either, so I'm like, I can't really see anything right now. Um, but these three men that God really laid on our heart, uh, if you would just stand, one was Juan Guadarrama, would you stand, sir? Man of God. Jeremy Jones, where are you? I was, about to say, I was about to say, you've got to be kidding me, Jeremy. You're not, you're at the game. And Eddie Embry, Eddie Embry as well. Come on. Good men, solid men. And you guys be seated. We started meeting with them. And I'll tell you one thing too that uh, about being an elder also uh, is, is your spouse as well. Um, your spouse plays a huge role in that as well. Um, how many know the Bible says that your, the spouse cannot be gospers or slanders? You know what I love? They're, the reason I believe God highlighted these men, these, these men are they're behind the vision. They're involved. They're here. They oversee. They're already behind in doing everything God is doing and a part of it at this church. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, so they have humbly. What I also love about these three men, when I talk to all of them, they're all like, what? I don't know. I don't know about that. None of them are like, oh, yeah, I can do it. No problem. You know what I mean? It's kind of like God goes to Moses, hey, I want you to do this thing. Uh, I don't know, I'm gonna get somebody else, <laughs> right? Most of the time, people are really called to something, they gotta be talked into it. <laughs> so, been praying, been fasting, excited, the roles to change our church, and also our deacons, Brother Jim Bates. Now, might not, I don't know if a lot of you all know who Jim Bays is. He sits up here in the corner. He's got white hair. You can see it from afar. It's beautiful. <laughs> Brother Robert Hardaway is probably working, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> he is a, these are good men, solid men, and their role will continue as deacons at our church. So nothing about that is changing. It's just the role of board member will move to elders. All right? It's that simple, really, what's really happening. And our deacons will be deacons, our elders will be elders. And let me just say this. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, let me read this to you. It says, one body but many parts. There is one body but it has many parts, but all its many parts make up one body. 
It is the same with Christ. We are all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. Suppose the foot says, I'm not the hand, so I don't belong to this body. Or let me make this a little clearer. Oh, I'm not the elder. I'm not the worship leader. I'm not the deacon, so I don't belong. Let the Bible teach you this morning. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. And suppose the ear says, I'm not an eye, so I don't belong to the body. By saying this, it cannot stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, how could it hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would it smell? God has placed each part in the body just as he wanted it to be. As he wanted it to be, amen? If all the parts were the same, how could there be a body? As it is, there are many parts but there's only one body. Verse 21, the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. And the hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, it is just the opposite. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are the ones we cannot do without. The clean. Check, check. Don't let the enemy deceive you this morning thinking that some of these positions are something for you to excel, to look after, to make you significant. The Bible says the hidden parts are the most honorable. I tell this story, and I love telling it. Grafrida France, who, I don't know if she's here this morning. Frida in here, maybe? Nope. Um, she um, owned a cleaning company for your France Cleaning, if you've ever heard of that. But a few years ago, before, you know, while she could get around a little more and wasn't taking care of her granddaughter, she would come here and she would help. Um, she would have guys from rehab come and they would help clean and strip and wax the floors in the whole building and the, on the tile. And I remember she came into the office one day and she was telling us, hey, these guys are coming in. And she was basically, if you know Frida at all, she's a manager. She ain't playing no games. She's German. She'll tell you like it is. And I remember she came into the office and she was like, I'm cleaning the floors today with the guys. And we were all just kind of like, okay, cool, you know, thanks. And she's like, no, it's exciting. And I said, oh, awesome. And she said, this is my ministry. Frida got this scripture figured out. Check, check. There are many parts. Oh, put my hand off the receiver. That might be a good idea, huh? It's my first day. Um, <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> Let me bring it back in. There are many parts, but one body. The hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you. The foot cannot say, I don't need you. The hidden parts, the most vulnerable and most honorable. Here we go, verse 23. The parts that we think are less important, we treat with special honor. The private parts aren't shown, but they are treated with special care. The parts that can be shown don't need special care, but God has put together all the parts of the body, and he has given more honor to the parts that didn't have any. I'm not going to call out any names right now, but there were about six men here last night to three o'clock in the morning putting in new outlets and running new wire and reconfiguring a lot of our electric and things under this platform to make this Sunday morning a better experience for all of you. And, and no one knows. There were literally two guys underneath this stage, one of them almost all day, literally. So talk about the hidden parts, right? <laughs> <laughs> you see what I'm saying talk about being a hidden and it's saying don't get it twisted 
about these parts being somehow better than others. That is not what it's saying. The Bible says the greatest in the kingdom will be the greatest servant of all. Elder roles and deacon roles and pastor roles are all servant roles. You never, I've had some people tell me, well, pastor, you don't need to be doing A, B, C, and D. And you're right, I don't need to be doing everything. You're exactly right. But I never graduate from serving. You'll see me when we're, when we're pulling out the dungeon again here in a few days, you'll see me here grabbing stuff and taking it to the dumpster. I'm not doing everything, praise God, anymore. Hallelujah. But I always want to take opportunities to keep myself humble, and I'll never stop serving the church. Elder roles, deacon roles, you're never going to get to a place, oh, now I'm on the board. No, 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 no. You're never going to outgrow serving, ever. We're never going to grow to a place where the pastor of our church doesn't serve anymore and it won't pick up trash, won't do anything. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm bigger than that. If, if serving is beyond you, leadership is, excuse me, if serving is beneath you, leadership is beyond you. Right? So we gotta serve, amen? You wanna be great in the kingdom of God? Some of you are like, man, I wanna be great. Did you notice, uh, I was listening to Kathy Adams here recently, did you notice that Jesus didn't rebuke them asking to be great? There's something really good about, man, I want to do something great for God, but he just tells you how to get there. So he just tells you, actually, it's through serving. He doesn't say, like, it's cool to be like, man, Bill Johnson, all the miracles and stuff on his life, and man, I want to be like that. But he said, okay, but you know what it's going to cost you? You know what he, what he got him there? <laughs> it's going to cost you some things. I want to be great in the kingdom of God. Awesome. Here's the way. I love what Chris Fowlton says. He says, grab a towel. <laughs> grab a vacuum. You want to be great? Join the cleaning team. You see what I mean? And start to combat that spirit of insecurity that says this isn't good enough. That's a good word. Verse 24 says, the parts thing be shown. Here we go. Verse 25. In that way, the parts of the body will not take sides. All of them will take care of one another. Amen. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part shares in its joy. I love the people that just clapped a minute ago because <laughs> they're not afraid to honor someone else. <laughs> you know what I mean? When someone is honored, we all can rejoice. Amen? And get away. Did you notice that actually the, the, the devil in the garden was the one with those thoughts of like, he's seen Adam and Eve in fellowship with God and he was jealous and insecure. Man, I, that, that could have been me. That should have been me. And you know what I gotta do? I gotta get them to join me now. Don't let what God is honoring and what God is celebrating, join into it. Come into what he's doing. Come alongside people who are being honored and congratulate them. You know what that does? It kills that insecurity. It kills it. When someone can do something maybe better than you, in some way, congratulate them, honor them, bless them, push them up. It kills that insecurity. Amen? I'm sure our cleaning team, if you can clean better than them, they'll hand it to you so quick. <laughs> it's the easiest way. Oh, you're real good with that vacuum. You can have it every Wednesday. Can we stand to our feet? We play a little music too. The prayer team, could you come? Hmm. So as you go through the journey and as you continue at our church, 
we want you to know that you play a part in this church, amen? You play a vital role in this church, and not just the Father's house, but in the kingdom of God itself. Not everybody in this room is in the family that you're in. Not everybody in this room is in the same place of business that you're in. And God has placed in individually each one of you exactly where you are in your life to reach that sphere of influence that is in your life. God is calling us and all of us to be a body and recognize our role in the churches and be okay with it. And all of our role can be rooted under one thing. You ready? To be servants. To not just serve the Lord, but to serve one another and serve one another well. So maybe you're here today and you're like, man, I'm not even born again at all. I'm not saved. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe somebody invited me here this morning and I want to be a part of not just this church, but I want to be a part of the family of God. Can we just close our eyes in this room? I just want to, I never want to miss a moment for someone to receive Jesus. If you're here today and you say, I need to accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. I want to make him first place in everything. I believe he died for me. I believe he rose from the grave. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand right where you are. I need to be born again. I need to be saved. Anybody in this room, I need to be saved. I need salvation. Would you lift your hand right where you are? We'll wait here just a moment. Anybody at all? Before you go, today is your day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Anybody in this room, one more second. Could you just lift your hand? I need to be saved. I need to be born again. All right. Praise the Lord. And if you keep your eyes closed, let me just pray for you. Father, I bless your people that we would be rooted and grounded in your love for us and exactly what you've called us to do. You've called some of us to be bankers. You've called some of us uh, to be consultants. You've called some of us to be construction workers, to be nurses, to be stay-at-home moms, to be drywallers, uh, to work at Arby's, whatever it may be. You've called all of us, Lord, for different things, and we all make up one body in this house, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you that you are solidifying your people to be servants and be yours and be completely okay with who you say we are. And you say we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We honor you, Jesus. We give you our house, our church, everything, our families, our jobs. Lord, we say it belongs to you. Teach us your ways. Bless your people. In the name of Jesus. If you need prayer for anything at all, if you need healing in your body, if you just need someone to partner with you in prayer. Listen, there's people in this room, you've been struggling for a while. If you need someone just to partner with you and just to pray over you, and just we're here to join with you in prayer and uh, to carry that burden with you. If you need prayer, please, before you go, come down front. You can even come now. Do me a favor real quick. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, do you need some prayer? Say, I'll go with you. All right, bless you guys. Can we put our hands together for Jesus this morning and all he's doing and all he's done? One more declaration. Go Cowboys. Bless you guys. Have a good week. You're amazing. Love you guys. If you need prayer, please come. We'd love to partner with you. If you need to accept Jesus, please come. There's still time to come to the altars. We'd love to pray with you.